This is a Salt Hill Media original podcast. I'm joined with Jim O'Higgins who recorded the first proper episode, which was episode two of the Galway podcast. Uh, Jim was talking about the history of Galway, and today he's talking about castles in Galway, the three castles. So, hello, Jim. How are you? Good to see you again. Yeah, great to see you. And uh, do you want to just talk a little bit about what you're talking about today? Sure, yeah. We're having a conference. Now, this is the 13th annual Galway City International Heritage Conference. It's nice, nice sort of long, but, uh, <laughs> you know, meaningful title in, in the sense it puts across what we're, we're all, all about. We have a conference every year, at least one, and it's about built cultural and natural heritage. The talk that I was given today was about the Tree Castles Project which is being done under the auspices of the Community Monuments Fund and with funding, additional funding, from Gower City Council and from the Heritage Council. So the three castles are Terryland Castle, Dewishka Castle and Menlo Castle. They were all in bad need of, of repair and conservation and that's what we're at. We'll be at it again, I suppose, in the next three or four weeks. It's seasonal. We have to take account of bats and birds and the ecology as well as the archaeology and so on. We have to work outside of the nesting season. What we'll be doing is we'll be conserving some of the stonework at Menlo this year. The reason that we're concentrating on Menlo this year is because we didn't really realise until we got up very close on scaffolding the extent of the damage that was caused by the fire which destroyed the castle in 1910. So it's urgent work, but it's work that is is, is, is very, you know, we're well used to getting it done at this stage. We have a great team. Uh, we have 7L architects. We have conservers from Clare Galway Castle, from Galway Stone Design, and they're doing excellent work. Uh, we had... Over the last couple of years, we've had Cunningham's, a consultancy based in, in, in Westport, and their people were also doing a lot of the conservation on the, on the tree castles. So we want to make the castles accessible to all, and that means that we have a heritage plan, a management plan for the castle. We also have a plan for to ensure that there's universal access to people can get to see as much of the place as possible. Uh, it's, a, it's a sort of an area plan that we have. It's striking the balance really between the built, the cultural and the national uh, and, the, and the natural heritage. Uh, stonework needs to be raked out, all the joints have to be raked out, growth has been taken out of them, hundreds of years of growth in some places and repointing has to be done and if the heads of the walls are loose, the stones are threatening to fall, they have to be taken down and reset, have to be numbered and drawn and photographed beforehand, and then reset and made safe. So there's a lot of work involved, but it is very rewarding work. And with the team that we have, it's fantastic because they, they, they're really great. They're great at what they're doing. They take great joy in seeing the, the end product. And, uh, of course, part of the joy that we take in it is the fact that the entire community 
will have more access to it than they had previously and it will be safer and sturdier and well preserved for the next whatever 500,000 years so that's what we're at yeah. wonderful ok thank you very much and uh, thanks for the invite Jim. you're very welcome <laughs> good to see you good to see you're going you. to have a sandwich yeah let's have a sandwich yeah. This is the Galway Podcast. The Salmon and the Trout, uh, a tax on those was paid to Queen Elizabeth and she had the right to the, the proceeds from the fisheries there. So the Queen's River or the Queen's Gap, but then you have the uh, the, the first of the, of, of the bigger bridges. You have the, um, the Salmon Weir Bridge and the new bridge which Colin, my colleague, is going to be talking about later on. Also on the river, you had uh, O'Brien's Bridge. Now, O'Brien's Bridge is the site of a much earlier bridge uh, called the Great Bridge, and that was fortified at both ends, uh, more or less to keep the native Irish out. And uh, even in the 17th century, it was re-fortified, and bastions were put at either end. And if you ever get into the basement of the Galway Arms pub there, for instance, part of the Bastion, uh, which defended the Great Bridge, is, uh, was excavated there. Now, all of these bridges are visible on the Victorian map. One of the other, uh, the Victorian map is normally dated to the 1650s, but it actually probably dates to the 1660s. Uh, it gives a bird's eye view of the city. By the 19th century, several more bridges were added, and in the exhibition that you see around the walls, which Colin O'Leary has put up, you'll see down at the corner, you'll see some of the waterways of Galway, as they were uh, between the 1820s and the 1840s. And, uh, you know, many of these were built in um, a very short time and they're part of the industrial heritage and the archaeology of the city. And right beside Terradine Castle, for instance, we have the old Terradine Waterworks, uh, which was built in 1895 on the site of an earlier building. We also have, beside Terradine Waterworks, you have the 1950s Waterworks, and you also have an electric generating plant dating from the 1830s. So there's plenty of industrial archaeology there. But just to return to the castle, the castle itself is often referred to as uh, Tyrannon, um, the, uh, uh, the land of the castle. Sometimes it's referred to as Old Castle. A lot of the Galwegians, native Galwegians, will refer to it as Old Castle. And sometimes it's referred to as Burke's um, um, Castle or San Richard Castle. So it's named these various, with, with these various titles and various documents, but most people still call it Turnland or Old Castle. Now, Old Castle and New Castle, the reason that you distinguish, uh, the reason that it was given that name, Old Castle, was to distinguish it from a castle, the, rem the remnants of which are in the grounds of NUI Galway. And that was the New Castle, if you look from the James Hardiman Library into the car park there, you'll see a circular turret and part of the bomb wall of the new castle. 
and Newcastle, of course, gives its name to the area. Now, to return to Old Castle. Old Castle, as you see it now, is a 17th century building, but there's a hillock quite close to it at the back where you see the curve of the river. And on that hillock, we believe, there is the earlier tower house. We know that because as part of the project, we got a lot of restitution and ground probing radar done as part of the Tree Castles project. So, just to see the curve of the river there, the back. Yeah, just there. Well, in from that, in about 400 metres, uh, there's a, a mound there which we believe to be the site of a tower house. As I said, this section of the castle here, as you see it, is mainly 17th century. Um, and you have beautiful, typical 17th century chimney. It's only when you get up close to that that you realise that that was originally picked out in charcoal and in white uh, mortar. And there was a, a sort of a, a pattern of squares and lozenges picked out on the chimney and they're still there. Now that's been given a weather sheeting in order to preserve that, that pattern in the mortar. So what they were trying to do was they were trying to show that this was a high status building and that the building, that the chimney was all uh, made of cut stone ash bar. And what they did was they mixed in charcoal with the, the mortar to show the lines, uh, the grooves between the stones. So they were claiming high status for the building. Um, so that's Terryland. One of the main things there at Terryland was to try and make it as safe as possible. And uh, there was scaffolding up on that for a considerable amount of time. We still have the fencing around the sites, and we have the fencing around um, Menlo. Uh, people are always saying the fencing is ugly, but we, we absolutely have to have fencing there while it's a walking site uh, from the point of view of health and safety and insurance, and so on. There's the curve of the river. Um, this area of the river, just here with the trees on it, that's Jordan's Island, which is referred to earlier on by me. Between Jordan's Island and, and Wood Key, a vast number of archaeological art, art, artifacts have been found between the 1980s and right up to the present time. In the 1980s, uh, the legislation was quite different and there was a considerable amount of uh, diving on the coral. What was recovered included Mesolithic Middle Stone Age lithics. Uh, you had Bronze Age spearheads, you had uh, stone axes of the Neolithic, you also had a couple of rapiers, a considerable number of swords, one Iron Age sword in its scabbard. You had muskets, parts of a wheelock, various types of, uh, of weaponry. Uh, and then you also had everything from clay pikes to pottery jars to ink wells, uh, pottery of all descriptions and all dates. For many years, people often said, well, you know, why isn't it available in Galway? Well, it is available in Galway because a considerable collection of it is on display in Galway City Museum. And in fact, one of the biggest tranches of archaeological artefacts that have been 
given out by the National Museum. Two, a local museum has been given to Galway City Museum. Um, for the National Museum to lend artifacts, the museum must be a designated museum, and Galway City Museum has achieved that status. Now, the castle at uh, Thailand uh, was burnt in 1691 during the Wadi Wars. There was a description of its burning. There was a battle in the um, in the orchard of the Earl of Clanricard, which is at this castle. Uh, the Irish and the French who held the castle decided to retreat to Galway. Uh, they were unable to hold it, so they burnt the castle and it was never rebuilt since. During the conservation work, the slates, the melted lead, and the rich tiles, the pottery rich tiles from the roof, all of these, fragments of all of these, were found during the consolidation work in the, in the upper parts of the walls. So there's quite a lot of evidence of, of the burning out. And there was also things like lead canes, uh, canes which held little diamond-shaped pieces of glass, and these would have been housed in the in the windows that you see there. There, uh, these are the typical 17th-century wood-molded windows, and they would have had mullions running through them, and a casement and diamond sheets of glass in in those held within the lid. Do you miss a loved one that's passed on? Perhaps you miss their voice or their mannerisms. Perhaps you have questions that remain unanswered. Don't let that happen to your children or grandchildren. At Salt Hill Media, we can record your life story or that of a loved one for future generations. So when someone asks, hey, what was granny like? Or what was granddad like? You can point them to an interview and say, you tell me. We can tailor an interview to be as long or as short as you want it to be, all with professional recording equipment and post-production. You may think that your life is not worth documenting. Well, not according to your children or grandchildren. Record that life story before it's too late. Email salthillmedia at gmail.com or go to salthillmedia.com for more information. This is The Galway Podcast. This is Lendo Castle, and uh, it needs quite a considerable amount of consolidation. Lendo Castle is of many phases. You have a 15th century phase, 15th or early 16th century tower house. You have a big 17th century long house attached to it. Then in the 18th century, there are various modifications and a little uh, turret was added at, what, at Belvedere, an ornamental uh, Belvedere was added, and in the 19th century, numerous other changes took place as well. Now, we know a considerable amount about the history of Menlo Castle because one of the people who lived there was Martin J. Lake, and he published uh, a whole series of papers on the Lake family records, and he published two volumes of the Lake family records uh, in the early 1900s. Uh, what you see there is uh, a little bar, it's a matriculation really, 
And in the matriculation, you'll have very flat red brick. Probably some of it among the earliest brick used in Ireland. Uh, sometimes it was used in bake ovens from around the, um, from the 16th century onwards. Uh, then you had large houses, Town House, whatever, built completely of bricks. Uh, this section uh, seems to date to around 1610 or 1616, and the bricks were used ornamentally. And it would have contrasted, the very orangey-red colour of the bricks would have contrasted against the mortar, and the mortar would have been uh, a bright white render. Um, so that's the front view, the main, the main view of the house. So you have your big 17th century ornamental, they're not really crenellations in the sorts that are not military, they're more ornamental than that. You get these sort of things uh, at Portumna Castle and many other 17th century houses in Ireland. There would have been a rim of moulded stone around these, and we hope that during the conservation work, when we sort through the stone, uh, that we'll be able to find those and, and put them back. Um, as I said, the house was burnt in 1910 in a, in a tragic fire. One of the Blakes died in the fire, and there's a novelist directed to uh, the woman in the grounds of the castle, although none of her remains were actually discovered. Um, so it was lived in uh, until 1910. One of the servants dropped from the, the castle died, and another servant survived and went on to Menlo Park, where an awful lot of the people from Menlo Village went to in America. And it, it's famous now for high tech and so on, but Menlo Park is the big, one of the places that they went to. Uh, so this is mainly a 17th century frontage with an 18th early 19th century Georgian doorway here. Much of the doorway has been mopped out, but we're hoping that we find the architectural fragments. If we don't find them, we'll cut uh, matching uh, pieces. There was a porch here, and there was a big 17th century doorway with caryatids on it. That's a, that doorway is now in um, Ashford Castle. It has been reused there. Uh, the side of the gable here would have been covered in uh, slate sheeting, and that was a feature in the 18th century, particularly with all, and a lot of the big 18th century houses down in Dunlake Street were going to be slated with sheet as weather sheeting on the, on the side of the building. Uh, unfortunately, one of the things, one of the problems that arose when the ivy had to be taken off was that enough of the, the, the slate sheeting became loose, but that has to be put back eventually. There's another view of it and you can see the ornamental little turret up here, the little belvedere that was added. Uh, it's, a, it's almost like a little Victorian folly. Most of this part was rebuilt or, or, or reconstructed. In the 18th century, when you had larger sash windows were, were introduced, but they still retained the old idea of the of the of the 17th century window by by including uh, volumes and transoms in the um, in the window in in, in places. Yeah. Uh, this is the the entrance to the castle, uh, the the gate latch. Uh, 
And uh, this was funded, this wasn't funded by the community monuments fund, this was from an earlier fund, this was funded with, uh, with, solely with the funding from the Heritage Council. And uh, so that was done in uh, uh, 2014. The interesting thing about the Gate Lodge is that, uh, well, there was a Gate Lodge at the back of this building, and there was a, there was a, double, a double gate here. But this turret here, um, it has connotations added to it, but it, it looks to me like uh, a late medieval turret. And there are several of these on the grounds of the castle. And they, uh, they were turrets on the, on the line of the Vaughan Wall, which surrounded the original castle of Glenlock. Um, other features, you have a pair of gargoyles, which were taken from an earlier building, probably taken from Galway, and inserted in there in the 19th century, when, when that section of gateway was added to the earlier turret. Just a detail of some of the, the gargoyles. Uh, an interesting fact about the gargoyles is the gargoyles are commonest in Galway than anywhere else in the country. You have the biggest number of gargoyles in Galway City than you have anywhere in Ireland. Uh, and some of the best examples, of course, are on St. Nicholas's Collegiate Church and on Lynch's Castle. The ones on Lynch's Castle date around 1502 around that. Uh, the ones on uh, St. Nicholas's Church are, are 16th century. It belong to an extension onto the south aisle of the church. But there's a view, another view of Mendel, and it shows two things. It shows the 17th century mock battlements, collations with fancy set of uh, features. And then it also shows that these have been added on to the existing tower house. The tower house is a typical of late 15th, early 16th century type. And the windows then have been enlarged. They originally were slit windows of, of this nature here. Uh, apart from the building at Menlo, the main building, there's also the uh, the the, um, the stable block. Um, one of my first uh, jobs as heritage officer in 1999 I had to go out with um, Christy Kelly, our technician, and we had to take a lump of a scroll, cut a lump of a scroll between the stable block and the castle, and another at the castle. We had to label it and put it into a padded envelope seal it with the corporation seal and send it to the uh, our law agent who we were taken official uh, possession of Menlo Castle. <laughs> <laughs> so somewhere there's a rotting padded bag somewhere in some solicitor's office and I'm sure that the, 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 uh, the insect evidence or whatever would be of interest at some stage to some osteoarchaeologist or, or, or paleoarchaeologist as well because there's lots of scroll of weeds and scrub in it. Um, but this is um, the tower house at Gorishka and this is some of the conservation work that was done. You can see what has been spliced in 
you can see that the modules were missing what they haven't put back in. There is the tower house at Dewishka. We hope eventually, as part of the scheme, as part of the Tree Castles project, to put a roof on that would be an awful disgrace not to. Entrance to the tower house was by way of what's called, well, it was, first of all, it was a soft house, a building out here. You can see it there. You can see the line of the gale there. But there was also a machicolation here. The machicolation projected out. There's little defensive protection. And it projected, the, it projected over the doorway. The doorway then has a groove in the, in the edges of it, and that contained what's called a yet. And uh, so if anybody's trying to get into the castle, it's a way of saying, not yet! <laughs> Stand back, identify yourself. What the yet was was a steel frame, and it was attached to a series of chains, and the chains were went in through holes in the castle wall. Uh, so the yet was a protective frame. Uh, it was like uh, drawn up tight over the doorway. The door itself might have been a couple of inches, uh, six inches of oak. And then once you got in through the bomb wall, up here, by the time you had uh, destroyed the steel yet, by the time you had burnt your way through the, um, the six inches of oak in the door, and by the time you were just entering into the castle, you know, somebody above you shouting, surprise! Now <laughs> <laughs> well, they probably didn't boil up tar or, or, or throw down stones or whatever, but they probably did use the machicolation here and the murder hole inside to try to spear you before you got anywhere further in the castle. But I think sometimes in, in these instances, uh, discretion was probably the best, the best, better part of valor because I mean there were two bomb walls. There was one bomb wall here, and there was another bomb wall further out. And if they if they had managed to get through those, you know, I think it'd probably be panicking rather than hanging around to attempt to skewer the uh, the invader through the, the murder hole. So. Um, that's it with the, uh, the slides. I just want to give you the background in, in a way, briefly, very briefly, to how this is all funded. Uh, in 2014, we did a conservation plan for the three castles. Now, conservation plans were originally brought to Ireland. The whole concept was brought from Australia. The heritage uh, uh, in England, for instance, you had the uh, you had um, oh, the um, no, it wasn't the National Trust. Uh, Her English Heritage adopted them. Uh, the Heritage Council brought the concept and developed it and paid for an office of the early uh, early plans. And it was it was gradually it became apparent that it wasn't just a conservation plan that was needed. There was also an offer of consultation with everybody interested and involved. So these became conservation and management plans. And as I said, the Heritage Council funded an awful lot of them. Um, an offer of them now are being done by individual archaeologists, plus individual conservation architects, plus ecologists, and so on. 
So a plan had to be drawn up before anything could be done on the castles. We had to ensure that the built cultural and natural heritage of the of the of the castles was was preserved and maintained. We had to ensure that an archaeologist was employed, a conservation architect, conservation structural engineer, uh, you know, uh, an ecologist as well to ensure that there were no bat roosts, bird uh, habitats, ha uh, rare, rare species, or whatever. So all that process has to be gone through. So in 2014, as I said, the conservation management plan was done. Uh, several years later then, uh, the councillors, it had always been in the heritage plan, as an action of the heritage plan, uh, since 1999. But eventually, uh, the councillors voted uh, 100,000 per year for five years for the castles project. So before it would get up and running, uh, they took back 100,000 and spent it on something else. <laughs> but then eventually the, uh, the community monuments fund came into play. So we're now using the community monuments fund, which is uh, the, the, the Department of uh, Housing, Local Government and Heritage Fund, it comes from the National Monument Service. We're, we're using that in conjunction with the money that is that, that was voted by the councillors. And all of this is against the background of where it was planned originally. And it was planned originally in the uh, Heritage Plan. And it was always planned as an action of the Heritage Plan. So eventually, uh, some actions get uh, worked on uh, quicker than others, but eventually, anyway, uh, the, the Castles project are underway. We estimate that we'll probably be still applying for uh, um, community monuments funds for at least the next five years before we have the Castles uh, conserved to a state where the public can come in and enjoy and view them. Uh, we also have a local area plan uh, for the castles and uh, we are developing, say, walks around the castles and uh, making sure that everybody, that there's universal access to what's, what's there. So that's really, uh, by way of an update, um, as I say, Terrellane Castle, Menlo Castle, they defended the way in from Galway by river. Uh, they were always important. They were important socially, historically, militarily. They're still as just as important artistically, culturally, and from the point of view of people's enjoyment of their fabric, their natural uh, built and cultural fabric. So thank you very much. This has been a Solitary Media original podcast and production.